The Mental Wealth Podcast, hosted by Justin Little, is proud and honored to announce that we are now sponsored by BetterHelp.com. During hard times, it can get really difficult if you don't have anyone to talk to. Being alone with your thoughts can be an isolating feeling that can allow negativity to consume you. I know for me personally, this past year of 2022 has been one of the toughest years of my life. In fact, many of us throughout the pandemic have experienced more mental health concerns than ever before. For me personally, having someone that I can trust to talk to, to give me the therapy that I need has made me feel better and allowed me to cope. That is why I am proud to be sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp has customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Then you schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. You can request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime. Join the 2 million-plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. So many people use BetterHelp that they are currently recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Mental Wealth. That's BetterHelp.com slash Mental Wealth. Go get that 10%. And most importantly, take care of yourselves. Welcome. I'm Justin Little, host of the Mental Wealth Podcast, available on Apple, Spotify, and Google, and now heard in 31 plus countries worldwide. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, follow, and share this podcast, and feel free to leave us a review. To support us, find us on Instagram at the mental underscore wealth podcast, and be sure to visit our brand new website, www.mentalwealthpodcast.org. That's www.mentalwealthpodcast.org. If you'd like to support us financially, be a guest, or sponsor an episode, please email us at contacttmwp at gmail.com. As always, please take the time to invest into your mental health, wealth, and well-being. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Justin Little, and you're listening to the Mental Wealth Podcast. Is your host, Justin Little, Mental Wealth Podcast, episode number 56. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a listener. Thank you for your patience as well, because if you've been listening for a while, or if you're brand new, welcome again. I took two weeks off. I took two weeks off. I usually don't take more than one 
week off at a time, but it was so, so, so much going on in my life. And I just really felt the need to process, deconstruct, um, disconnect, just really kind of soak everything in and be still and be in the moment and, and chill as uh, one of my really good friends would tell me just to, to chill, relax. And so I did that after processing everything I've been through in the last 30 days is it's been a heck of a ride. And that really gave me the space to really just do some of the amazing things that I've still been doing, but just take some time off from the podcast. And so I'm glad to be back and to be with you. Hopefully you've caught up and you've listened to some of the last episodes we put out and particularly episode number 55, the vision where I kind of speak intentionally about a lot of the things that went on for me within the last 12 months, particularly within the last you know, six months of this year. And some of the things I'm planning into the rest of this year to cap off the second season of this podcast and to really just prepare for another amazing year in the mental health space. And so if you haven't heard it, now stop what you're doing. Go back and listen to that episode. It's not that long. It'll really paint the picture for what's to come. But just again, thank you so much for your support, being patient, bearing with us and coming back and listening to episodes of the podcast. I can't tell you how much it means to me. And so often I'm, I'm seeing reports of clicks from old episodes. I mean, when you've been doing this now a year and a half, I mean, I still have episodes from early on that are still getting listens. And so just thank you again for your support. I'll touch briefly um, more on the other side of the interview, but I'll touch briefly on just uh, what I've been up to, right? So obviously the White House thing happened in September. And then this past weekend in New York City was the Mental Wealth Expo. Charlemagne from the Breakfast Club, iHeartRadio, Mental Wealth Alliance, Dr. Alfie. Uh, I mean, who else was there? Dr. Uh, Rita Walker, uh, Debbie Brown, Angela Rye, Wallow, G. Herbo, uh, Anthony Hamilton. I mean, I'm just going off names. Doug Reed, uh, Lamont Rucker, my my big brother, Jay Barnett. So many just amazing speakers. Um, uh, uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes, his daughter, Sarah Jake Roberts, and her husband, Ture, opened and talked about mental health and faith in that connection. So I'm not going to deep dive too much on the top. I'll talk a little bit about that experience on the tail end of the podcast, but that's what I was at. I had the privilege of being a part of the event staff as a volunteer, and it just was such an amazing experience. So my cup was full, and I experienced New York City in about 48 hour time span like no other. So more to come on that, maybe later on, on the end of the pod and in future episodes. But I've been busy, been processing, been focusing on myself. I want to just give a special kudos out to the month of October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and also Emotional Wellbeing Month as well, too. Uh, in fact, today in my clubhouse room, we held a space. Uh, about domestic violence and gave such an amazing space to women and men who wanted to share their stories. And so I want to just give us a, a special shout out and just love and support to anyone who's ever gone through that ever in community with someone who has, we send you our, our love, our thoughts, our prayers. We ended that room with some affirmations. And the last song that I played was rise up by Andre day. What a beautiful song. And so 
Um, that was an important thing for me to do today as well, because I took last weekend off from my clubhouse mental health space, and we were able to get back to it this weekend. And that's a space that we host every Sunday, one o'clock Eastern in the Mental Wealth and Wellness Club, 3.8 thousand members of that community. You are all welcome to tap in and see some of the amazing uh, breakthroughs that we provide in that space. So I'm back. Episode number 56. We're almost at the end of the season. I'm so, so super excited. So my next guest, Colin Lowther. Colin Lowther. Uh, I met this individual just last month, September. I spoke on this pod about how intentional I wanted to be about supporting folks in my area. I'm proud to be raised uh, in the 757 area unlike any other. And going to that suicide walk allowed me to be in community with so many more of my peers and colleagues, old and young, who are doing amazing work right here. And he had the opportunity to share his story. And I was backstage and I, I listened as he spoke in front of 1,200 people about his bouts with suicide. And I got a chance to speak to him afterward and connect with him and told him that I would love to get him on the pod. In fact, fun fact, and you'll hear me say this in the conversation, this is only the second time I've done a podcast in person. I hope to do more of that in the coming next year. The only second time I've only done an episode in person and the first time I've done an episode with someone locally from my area in our home area. So this was a joy conversation. Hopefully you guys fall in love with Colin Lowther's story. Uh, and his strength and his courage to share it. Colin Lothar, man, how are you today? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day out here. It is beautiful. It's beautiful. You know, so we uh, we met a few weeks back at the Suicide Walk, mm-hmm. Virginia Beach, and you were one of the speakers. You got a chance to tell your story, and it was super fascinating. I just thought that you'd be an awesome person to get on the podcast and all the work and the advocacy you're doing. Um, I think the audience needs to really hear about it. Um, but before we even get to all the great stuff now, I want to kind of backtrack, right? Where do you come from? How do you get your start? What was life like for you growing up? Man, so uh, my dad, career Navy, 31 years. So uh, born in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, but we've lived all over. Uh, bounced around from uh, Monterey, California to Tampa, Florida, just kind of in between stopping in Norfolk just about every time. And so uh, my dad's last tour, we ended up here. and. Um, you know, for the foreseeable future, I'll probably be located here, just kind of doing my thing. Dad's out now. He's Dad's out. out. Yep. Dad okay. retired uh, mid-COVID, so unfortunately, we okay. didn't get to have a big ceremony oh, or anything. Man. But uh, yeah, he's done. He's he's living the retired life now, so not okay. too bad. And for you, like life, as you, I know you played sports. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about that, like just the pressures of sports and just your overall outlook kind of as a teen going into your young adulthood when it comes to mental health just life in general for you i gotta be honest mental health didn't exist in my okay. life okay. i i was very blessed with a lot of lot of things in my life and um i'd be lying if i said i didn't have an easy upbringing mm-hmm. um you know good family great parents went to good schools uh school came pretty naturally to me sports came pretty naturally to me um so my upbringing was pretty easy and uh you know i was admittedly pretty cocky and uh, self-absorbed, especially during those last few high school years. Uh, I was able to get a full-ride scholarship for NROTC to the University of Pittsburgh, so I really did think I was the man. Um, And, you know, my mental health journey and my mental health struggles didn't really come until uh, I I ended up at the University of Pittsburgh in 
2017 was my first year there. Okay. And so you're, and you're, and we talked about this before we started recording. You're, you're six foot five. You're tall, slender, athletic guy. So yeah. you, it's safe to say, and you got a scholarship. Safe to say, you were pretty good at some of the things you, you did. I, I would like to think so. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, especially then, and I, I wasn't so, you know, not very humble about it back then. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I really did think I was all that. That and, guy. Uh, I thought I was that guy, and it wasn't until I got to college and I was doing engineering, and um, I went from being one of the smarter people in the room to one of the dumber people in the room pretty quickly and uh -huh. um you know it kicked me in the face pretty hard uh and that's kind of where everything went wrong for me i um you know didn't have many struggles growing up and so i didn't really know what to do when things didn't go right and things went very wrong very quickly um i failed my first round of exams and you know the natural reaction would be okay i gotta buckle down maybe stop partying a little so much and, and study a little more um but instead of that, my reaction was, well, I'm clearly too dumb to do this. You know, I don't deserve to be in the room with all these other engineering students. I don't deserve this full ride to college. And so um, I, I, my depression hit pretty hard pretty quickly, but I wanted to keep up the outward appearance that everything was okay. And so um, that's where I really struggled. You know, it wasn't just that I was going through something, it was, go it was that I was going through something and not telling anybody. Um, I didn't feel like I, needed help because I felt like I should be fine and be capable of doing it on my own. Um, and then, you know, two and a half years later, I was just a miserable oh, wow. human lead being. So before we get to that, yeah. that breakthrough, what was there first, because you said mental health was non-existent growing no. up. Was there any mental health resource that you were aware of in high school at all? No, okay. absolutely none. College. Uh, I mean, at the very beginning of the semester, they might tell you, oh, we have a counselor that you can get three free sessions with but it wasn't something that I paid any attention to especially um, at the beginning of college and even then when I w was going through the initial stages of depression I was unbelievably um, in unbelievable denial of okay. anything that was happening to me I didn't feel like depression could affect me because of all of the things that had gone right in my life up until then and what do you what do you think caused your depression oh man it, it, it was a mix of a million different things right it was a lack of understanding what to do when things went wrong. Um, I didn't have any study skills, so I didn't know how to study and do well in class. And so then when classes went poorly, uh, obviously wasn't happy about that. Um, it was a lack of feeling like I could share my feelings with anybody. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to be that, that hard dude who didn't show any emotion, didn't, you know, cry, didn't do any of the, you know, feel sad for himself. And um, I wanted to man up, right? I wanted mm -hmm. to fix it myself. and. I didn't want to ask for help. Um, I started getting more stressed about my future and, um, you know, I had really idealized what my future was going to be in terms of being in the Navy, uh, like my father, but I quickly realized, um, that wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, but it had been what I told everybody I wanted to do for 10, 15 years that I felt like I couldn't back out on it now. Um, and so I just, you know, it was, it was one thing after another. It wasn't any particular event. Um, it was this, the combination of a lot of different stressors that built up over the course of time and, and really just destroyed me. Now, you talk about your dad, Navy guy, mm -hmm. 30, 31 years. Was he an emotional guy? Was he an outward guy with his emotions? Uh, no. Okay. And, and that's not to say anything bad, right, right, bad right. about my dad. You know, my dad, I, I love my dad. He's the best. But, um, but no, um, you know, he was the kind of guy where if work was stressing him out, he would still come home and put on the happy face. Um, I never saw that anything was wrong in his life. Uh, 
And so because of that, I just assumed the Navy was great, right? Um, even when he was deployed, he was writing us letters and stuff. And um, I think looking back on it, a lot of it is just him trying to be, you know, the, the stalwart guy for the family. But but no, not not a super emotional guy, still isn't a super emotional guy. So, yeah, and that's not to indict your dad. No, I, I, brought, no, no. I brought that up because it's a, it's a story that a lot of us have seen as men growing into our 20s, our 30s. To this day, I'm 30, and I haven't seen my father cry ever. And so think about how that affects us. You mm -hmm. talk about bottling up emotions, pretending to be okay, seeing your dad come home and be okay. And now you're an adult. You have to realize he had to have been dealing with some stress, oh, sure. taking care of a family, a marriage, kids, the job. Everything. But you, he never let you see it. And I think a lot of men feel like that's the way to go. Don't let him see you sweat because that's what we've been conditioning, hot-wired to act like but then it usually as we get older there's usually a crash because we get so tired of holding it in oh absolutely and, and i mean that's nailing the nailing on the head for me i just for so long i felt like i couldn't show any emotion mm -hmm. uh whether it was with my friends whether it was with my family whether it was with my girlfriend at the time it's like i couldn't tell anybody that anything was wrong mm -hmm. because you know i got myself into the situation and if i was going to get out of it i in my head had to do do you think, uh, Colin, there was any like safe space for you to open up, to talk about your feelings? In hindsight, I'm sure there was. Okay. I mean, I, like I said, I have a great family. Mm -hmm. I have and had at the time amazing friends who realistically would have done anything for me. But because it wasn't something that I'd ever talked about before, mm -hmm. it didn't feel like I could start at that point. It didn't feel like, you know, I think they would have been receptive to it. Um, I think there would have been a safe space given to me by any one of, you know, 15, 20 different people. But um, it was so scary to open up for the first time that I just felt like I couldn't. Okay. And that relationship, school, even like nothing, nothing, no. nothing that you felt. Because like it's that thing that's important because a lot of times people say, well, are there resources? There's typically a resource that exists, but there's usually one of two things. One we're ignorant to it. We don't, we're not aware. We don't have the education. We don't have the knowledge that something does exist or two, we know it exists, but we don't feel safe to go to those places. Yes. So then if those two things combined and that creates a situation where going to the next phase, what would happen next for you as you, as you battle that depression? Yeah. So, um, going into the end of my first semester, sophomore year. So this is a year and a half after I've gotten to pit, um, things had really started to spiral again, still nobody knew. Um, I probably stopped going to classes, you know, really, really failing out at this point, basically. Um, and they, they were only going to find out when I actually got kicked out. And I say they as my parents, my ROTC unit, whatever, whoever it is. Um, and it was exam week, first semester, sophomore year. Um, and, I, you know, I'd even been lying to myself for so long that I don't think I quite knew how bad it was um, until exam week. And for some reason, it all hit me then. Um, just all of the emotions of everything. And I called my mom and said, I can't do this. I've been depressed, you know, I've been struggling. I haven't been going to class, all this stuff. Um, and so she said, okay, you know what? We'll figure this out. We're gonna come home. You know, it's okay. You can drop out ROTC. We'll, we'll figure it out, right? I had that support. Um, and so I came home. Uh, I came home for a semester and skipped my second semester sophomore year. Um, I was gonna drop out of ROTC but I got a letter from them saying, hey, we wanna work with you. We wanna make sure that you can get the help you need and get better, um, which was cool. You know, it's not something I thought that they were gonna say. I thought it was just gonna be the end of the road for ROTC. Um, 
but they kind of had a list, a checklist of things that I had to do so that I could come back and retain my scholarship. Okay. Uh, checklist included going to see a Navy psychiatrist. I had to get evaluated by them. I had to get um, put on some sort of plan, whether it was medication or therapy. Um, and I, you know, I had to send them proof that I was doing all this. Um, and so then I spent that, that second semester sophomore year home here in Norfolk. And uh, I did all of those things, but still in my head, even though I told my mom that I was depressed, even though I, you know, kind of come out with all of my problems, I was still in denial. And so when I went to therapy, I told the therapist what she wanted to hear. Um, so she could sign my paperwork and I could get back to ROTC. Check the box. Check the boxes, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I, they gave me this checklist and I was going to check them off one way or another because I wanted to get back to my friends. I wanted to get back to my normal life. Um, and so that's what I did. I lied my way through therapy. I lied my way through my psyche eval. Uh, and I went back to Pitt junior year for more of the same stuff. Um, and that's where things, I mean, things were bad, but that's where things really went off the rails. Wow. So like suicide ideation, what does that mean to you? I would say, I mean, it was my life for two years, two and a half years. Um, you know, one, I, I tell people all the time, one of the big things that I like to preach about with mental health is uh, the importance of the choice of words you use, right? Mm -hmm. And suicidal ideations, you can have one or two things. You can have passive and active. And for probably two-ish years, I had passive thoughts where, you know, I hope I fall asleep and I don't wake up, right? I hope that while walking on the sidewalk, this bus runs off the road and hits me. Um, but I can re distinctly remember the flip to where I was then planning right I was I wasn't hoping for a bus to hit me on the side of the road I was planning on stepping in front of the bus I was you know scouting out the bridges in in Pittsburgh to see which ones I thought mm -hmm. I could jump from and and I, I distinctly remember it it was you know near the end of October the, the following junior year um, and I knew something was wrong but in my head I backed myself into the corner and suicide was the only option at that point so now where you, so going from there to like you now, how long has it been since those thoughts, attempts, or just, and, and just talk about where, where you're at now? Yeah, so uh, junior year, January 1st, 2020, um, I celebrated New Year's with my friends. Unbeknownst to them, that was me saying goodbye to them. Um, I locked myself in my room and, and attempted to kill myself. Uh, I took a bunch of my depression pills and, um, the hope was that I would not wake up from that the next morning. Um, so that was two and a half, closing on three years ago at this point. Um, and I'm not going to say everything's 100%, mm -hmm. right? Um, it It is controlled. It is a heck of a lot better than it was. And I still have days. But now, because of everything that's happened in these past two and a half or three years, I know I have everything I need around me even for those terrible, terrible days to come out on the other side and be fine. Um, you know, I wake up some days and depression has control and uh, I'm to the point where I understand that sometimes that's okay and I have the coping strategies to deal with that now that I didn't two and a half, or three years ago when I was at Pitt. So um, it's, it's better. I'm stoked to be alive. I couldn't be happier to be here. Uh, I, I found a purpose in life, which I'm super excited about. And, you know, it, it's, it's something to look forward to for the first time in a very long time. But 
there's still days that I struggle. Absolutely. So what, what did so you talk about? You have a support system now, you know, being home with your family, coping strategies. How, how do you take care of you? Um, a lot of different ways, right? Uh, first and foremost, medication. Okay. Uh, it doesn't work for everybody. I'm certainly not going to sit here and recommend it for anybody, but it works for me. And, um, I probably, I don't foresee a future in any time soon where I won't be on medication. So that's first and foremost. Um, talking about it, man. I, I love, it sounds weird to say I, I enjoy talking about suicide, but I do because I know it helps other people. The thing that frustrated, one of the things that frustrated me so much when I was not telling anybody was, you know, I felt like I was the only person in the world who felt like this. And then when I realized I wasn't, I was like, well, why aren't we saying anything? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, giving talks at schools, giving talks at the AFSP walk that we did mm -hmm. together, um, sitting here talking on the podcast, it just, it makes me feel better knowing that I might be helping somebody else. And then you throw in things like exercise, hanging out with friends, you know, going on trips, just trying to enjoy life more than I was. Um, it's no one thing. I kind of look at it like my puzzle. I got all sorts of different puzzle pieces and, um, you know, my combination to fix my puzzle might be not, might not be your combination, but it's kind of trial and error to see what works for you. Yeah. Um, I've tried meditation. I've tried journaling. Some things stick, some things don't, but, um, just kind of a routine of just being happy, just being stoked to be alive. Um, and trying to live life to the fullest at this point. And so and you, you mentioned the suicide walk. Talk to us about how you pivoted and taken some of that, that pain, that trauma, and then created some amazing things to, to, to talk about it, to raise awareness, some of the amazing action items that you're doing right now on mental health. Yeah, so like I said, uh, my suicide attempt was January 1st, 2020. Um, I spent six days from, I think about January 6th to January 13th in Virginia Beach Psychiatric Hospital, and that's kind of where I got annoyed by the stigma surrounding suicide and mental health in general. Uh, and so I wanted to do something about it. At first, I thought maybe that would be talking at schools, you know, sharing my story. Of course, that was at the beginning of 2020, and so the world <laughs> shut down then. Of course, yeah. Um, so I had to pivot a little bit. I just wanted to educate myself as best as, po as, best as possible. And uh, one day while doing some research just on statistics and stuff like that, I, I came across uh, the stat on uh, AFSP's website that 132 people die by suicide every day in America. Um, I don't know what it was about that stat in particular. There's a bunch of really crazy ones, but that one really stuck out to me. And uh, there's a huge jump in logic f from that stat to where I'm going, but somehow I decided I thought I could run 132 miles. <laughs> um, which in a is, day? Uh, at one time, I okay. it was supposed to... So I, I called my sister and I, I asked her about this. My sister's worked in um, fundraising before and I, I said, is this stupid? And she said, yeah, but it will, it'll do a lot of good. It's mm -hmm. stupid for your body because that's not going to be fun, but it's going to do a lot of good. Um, and so for the next year from September 2020 to September 2021... Uh, I trained and um, all, all I did was run. It felt like running was a full-time job, but uh, what it did for my fundraiser was gave it such a ridiculous punchline that when people heard about it, they had to know why. Um, and as soon as they asked why, I, I had them, right? I had their attention for five, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it was, to impart my message, to say that, you know, keep talking about mental health, um, to share my story. and. And, and that's what it was all about. It was, you know, more so about 
the awareness even than the money and certainly about the miles that I was trying to run. So I tried to run 132 miles in September of 2021. It went so poorly. Didn't work out? Okay. No, no, no. It went very poorly. It was pouring down rain all day and uh, I was having terrible stomach cramps and blisters and I, I ended up passing out in somebody's front lawn at mile 56. But like I said, not not the point, right? Um, we raised $40,000. Wow. Uh, we split it between three amazing charities, NAMI, which is National Alliance on Mental Illness, AFSP, which is American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and the JED Foundation, which focuses specifically on that uh, difficult transition between adolescence and early adulthood, you know, specifically what I struggled with going to college. Um, and so it was amazing. Uh, I was miserable the entire time I was training. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It was not a fun experience, but what was fun was... Uh, continually try getting to interact with the community and share my story and hear other people's stories and hear them open up to me and tell me that, you know, this is the first time they've shared what they're going through, but now they feel more comfortable. It was, it was those things that really kept pushing me through. And um, while I will literally never try to run 100 miles hmm. again, my hope is that someday I can build a annual fundraiser, if not an entire nonprofit around that, um, that idea of the 132 or now the current statistic is 130 people that die by suicide every day in, or every day in America. Um, so that's, that's a long-term goal. Um, you know, I'm still working on my degree. And so I got, I got some stuff to do before I, you know, can go, go at that full time. But I just, I love getting to hear people's stories. I get, I love getting to interact with, um, the mental health community. Uh, it, it's, a wildly underserved community yeah. um, and one that people don't talk to talk about enough. I think we're getting better, especially yeah. with the pandemic. Um, I think it opened a lot of people's eyes up to a lot of things that were going wrong in this country and the world, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, it was, it was, it was wild. And so now I, I have the privilege of serving on the board of NAMI coastal Virginia. And um, you know, I get asked to do talks by AFSP and uh, all sorts of cool stuff. So I, I'm just, trying to help out wherever I can in the community and then maybe one day a little bit bigger than just Norfolk and Hampton Roads area. Um, but for now, I'm just, I'm just happy doing what I'm doing. And you said, so you still pursuing your degree. So like, what, what do you, what is it that you want to do career-wise? Yeah. So I'm working on a human services degree at okay. Old, Old Dominion University wow. right now. I have one semester, I'm in my last semester of classes currently, and then I have a semester long internship. Um, and then I, you know, obviously I don't have to decide exactly right. what I'm doing, what you but, want to do with it, right. but my two avenues that I'm looking at right now are, um, both in mental health, but one, it's the medical side of mental health and two, it's the, the research, the research and, or fundraising and right. advocacy and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and so I currently work at a children's hospital in the mental health unit. And so I could pursue further opportunities at the new mental health hospital that we're opening up here in Norfolk. Um, Did not know that. Tell me more. Yeah. So uh, Norfolk or CHKD Children's uh -huh. Hospital, the King's Daughters is opening up uh, what they're calling the Children's Pavilion, which I think the 10th through 13th floors. Don't quote me on that. Okay. It's something like that. Uh, have in-house mental health treatment, um, which is going to be amazing because as of now at the main hospital, we, you know, get kids in mental health crisis. And then when they need inpatient care we have to send them all over the state because we don't have programs. Um, and so what that's gonna do for us is it's gonna allow us just to kind of shuttle kids over to our new hospital right across the street um, and provide the best care that you know we possibly can for these kids. And so 
I have the opportunity to potentially pursue further opportunities in that. Yeah, because you're already. I'm already here. Yeah. I'm already working in the hospital. Right. Um, wow. Or then, you know, I'm like I said, I'm on the board of NAMI. So do I look into getting a job at NAMI Virginia or NAMI National and doing more fundraising like that? Um, both excite me. Uh, I'll probably throw my hat in a bunch of different rings just to see what kind of sticks. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you. I, mental health is what I'm doing, whether it's yeah. the medical or the fundraising advocacy portion. I, I, I don't really plan on stop stopping, uh, working mental health anytime soon. No, thank, thanks for that. By the way, you're only 23. Uh, yes, I'm 23. Yeah. 23. I mean, the audience, I don't know. You're listening. I mean, he speaks like someone who's much older and that's a compliment to you and appreciate the work that you've done and, and the education. Cause, um, by the way, to the audience, this is only the second time I've done a podcast in person. Most of my podcasts are virtual guests, remote all over the country, world sometimes. I've only met up with one other person and that was in a different city. This is the first time. You're the first person. That's awesome. I've met. When, I, when I saw you speaking on that stage at the suicide walk, I was like, I was backstage talking to some folks and I was like, I got to, and we, we immediately connect. I'm like, I got to talk to you because I want to do more work in my community because yeah. I get the privilege of going to different places around the country to speak about mental health, but I want to support people. And I met so many foundations. Yep. I met you and I, you literally just, I had no idea what was happening. And I'm from Virginia beach, born and raised, but my dad's from Norfolk, spent a lot of time down here to know that something's being built and being constructed for mental health in my own community. I think it's so important. So the fact that you play a role in that, man, just congrats, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's an exciting time. Um, yeah. Like I said, it's an underserved community, but we're getting more resources mm -hmm. and we still need more. There's, We're opening the new hospital, I think in like a week or so or a few weeks, and okay. there's already a wait list. And yeah, so we, we, we need resources and we're getting more, but uh, there's still work to be done. So if I can play the most minute role in that, I, I, that's my hope. Um, whatever I can do to, you know, help the people who are in the position that I once was, that's, that's the ultimate goal for me. I just, I, I don't want people ever feeling like they're alone because they're, they're just not. I love that, man. Well, but you've been, you've been an amazing, appreciate you sharing your story. Absolutely. And hopefully you keep telling that story because one thing that I believe firmly is that as we share those stories and people are listening, young people, older people, and they said, man, I'm going through something similar. I've been through something similar. They realize, like what you just said, that you're not alone. And they also realize that how you survived and currently are surviving what you've gone through can then one day be their blueprint. It can one day be their survival guide of how they're able to make it through their situation just because you were brave enough and courageous enough to share. So appreciate you sharing your story. Colin, where can they find you? How can they support your social media? So, Anything you want to plug in? Yeah, well, uh, I'll throw in, um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram at run for the 132. Okay. Um, that is something that we did on much smaller scale this year. Yeah. Um, and we hope to continue continue to update and um run every year uh but like i said i will not be running 132 <laughs> miles again so we're looking at probably changing the name at some point because i i kind of put myself in a corner with a, a statistic that changes and naming yeah. my my foundation after that or my fundraiser after that so uh for now at one run for the 132 on facebook and instagram and um you, you can find updates about about me on there appreciate you calling of course. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks again, Colin. I'm so happy that you did this podcast and that we did this episode. It was so cool. We were we were uh, outside by the water 
an area in Norfolk called Waterside, a very popular area, restaurants, bars, fun things during the summer times, live music, all that great stuff. And it was right before sunset. We got some content, too, that you'll see in some clips of some visuals that we recorded as well afterward that you can see on our Instagram page, the mental underscore wealth podcast. But it was just nice to be outdoors and have a conversation. We dealt with a little bit of jet noise and some background stuff, but it was just such an authentic conversation, just like talking to a friend that you know you never met before honestly and for him to be 23 years of age and have that wealth of knowledge and experience and humility going through what he's gone through and how his mental health humbled him i thought was so powerful i thought it was powerful how he even admitted you know that while there may not have been resources in high school there were resources in college but probably wasn't some things too that, that he was very fond of or very into and you know how can we um, one thing I thought about listening back to it was how can we, the school system, right? How can we make mental health cool for people in their teens and people in their early 20s, even on a college level, right? When when counseling is available, how can we make it a cool thing to talk about mental health, to talk about suicide prevention, right? A lot of these schools might be offering free counseling sessions, but a lot of kids may not know about it. Or they may know, but it may not be attractive to them. So how can we attract them? And some of the work that I'm going to be focusing on intentionally into next year is I want to get out and talk to these college kids because, you know, he's only 23 and now I'm in my 30s. It's just like I see some of myself in these and these younger folks in these generations. You know, he speaks like someone of my age, but I forget. I'm like, man, this man's so, so young, but full of promise and full of opportunity and how he's going to use what he's gone through to then partner with NAMI and, 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 and do talks and talk to schools and kids and help them get through what they're going through. How he brought to my own knowledge about a mental health hospital that was being built in Norfolk, 20 minutes from where I live, for where I sit right this second that I had no idea about. This is why I love doing what I do so I can continue to get educated, to get the information that I can bring back to my listeners, bring back to you, the audience, and helps me know what's available for myself, right? And to keep myself regulated and in check. So just a phenomenal conversation and really, really enjoyed that, Colin. Y'all make sure y'all tap in, follow him on, on Instagram. Everything will be in the notes. Support him, donate, however you can support what he's doing. And let's make sure we rally around those advocates who are truly out there in the field, doing the work, trying their best to make a difference. So proud of you, Colin. So before I get to what I want to share on the tail end of the episode with some affirmations and some things to live by, just a brief two, three minutes or less about New York. Phenomenal, phenomenal experience. The balance of me getting a chance to work the event. Uh, one of my first assignments was moderating a, men a mental health breakout room that featured Black Men Heal. And if you've been listening for a while, Black Men Heal has been a lot of what I've done. I've supported them at their events. I had just the previous weekend was in Philadelphia supporting their event. I've actually done some behind the scenes work with their social media and Know, helping them with some content strategies and plan to do a lot more work with them. So shout out to Doug Reed and Reggie and Taz and all the people over there at Black Men Heal. I've had Doug Reed on the pod. Doug was also uh, on one of the panels, the men's mental health panel. And they had a breakout room and it was Black Men Heal. So the same thing they've been doing on the road, they were able to do in New York City. Reggie and and uh, 
and Doug and Fonz and David McCuller. Uh, we were in a breakout room, so I wasn't able to be in it the whole time because I was in charge of making sure everything was on time and getting everyone seated. It was. It started off like this might have been my, one of my favorite moments, two of my favorite moments. I'll share that. It started off like slow. We weren't sure people were going to pick up because it was the first breakout room and it wasn't announced. So we ran over to the DJ and said, hey, we need you to announce Blackman Hill breakout room. And then people started pouring in, men and women. And one thing, it was a standing room only. And I had to go to my staff and say, we need more chairs. And they brought two more sets of chairs and it still wasn't enough. We asked brothers to stand up to give women the opportunity to sit down. And it was an amazing space for 40 minutes. A little hot in there, I will admit. But I was able to catch what I could and just, just be so proud to be a part of that. When they asked me to do that, I'm like, yeah, of course, these are my people. These are my people. This is an honor. So that was one of my first assignments. I did a lot of different things upstairs, downstairs, all around the event, helping keep things coordinated again. I'm so thankful to Dr. Alfie for the opportunity, Doug Reed as well, for giving me the opportunity to be seen. Um, being a, being a part of the event gave me a wristband, gave me access to backstage. So I was able to go backstage and see guests, meet people, check in on them, uh, take some good pictures with, with some famous people, catch some really behind the scenes moments, uh, which was phenomenal and great for me as a podcaster and a networker to get that balance of working the event, meeting some people, also getting fed, um, you know, through the event itself. Uh, but one particular interesting moment was I walked backstage and I just walked by a room and there goes Jay Barnett. And y'all know I love Jay Barnett, man. I, I speak about him a lot because he's really, truly been a brother to me, a mentor to me. I walked by, he's like, yo, man, hey, come here. <laughs> I need a favor, right? And I ended up doing some things behind the scenes for him and his team, which was just a blessing to do. And then he also asked me, look, man, hey, I need you to keep watching these flowers. And I'm like, what? Of course, we'll see. Just, just text me. And I'm going to tell you to bring him out at a certain time. So he hosted and moderated the men's mental health panel, which is beautiful. You can find it on YouTube. And I was behind the scenes. And there was a moment afterward where he asked Charlemagne to come up on stage. And he poured into him. And this was reminiscent of the moment from last year where Charlemagne was poured into by Jason Wilson. And Charlemagne gave, gave way to tears because he had never heard those affirmations. It's really important for us men to affirm each other. So long story short, he gave him flowers. I was the one who brought the flowers that Jay had bought to Jay to get to Charlemagne. And then after he gave Charlemagne his flowers, he gave some to Lamont Rucker, Lamont, the actor from Why Did I Get Married? They are on tour together. Uh, they're doing the Just Hillbrook tour together as well. It was his recent birthday and just celebrating that and everything they've done together. He gave him flowers. The idea was we as men, need to not wait until someone's dead to give them flowers. Let's give them flowers while they can appreciate it, while they can smell them and really just live in that moment. And to be a part of that, to be asked to come on stage and do that, which is an honor. So again, thank you, Jay, for allowing me to be seen. And I mean, those are just two highlighted points I'm going to talk about. I had a really great evening with someone in New York after the event and I spent the night and flew back home uh, Sunday afternoon, evening, but it just was a two-day, uh, great day getaway in New York City, just an opportunity for me to really reflect and process some of the amazing things I've done. And I really, really appreciated the information. So again, thank you to iHeartRadio. They sent me a thank you card yesterday, email, just thanking me for my work. And I look forward to hopefully working with them again and maybe even being on a panel one day, one day, one day and sharing my story and my truth. So 
so happy to serve and to be seen as well. So that's just a, a brief three, four minute version of the Mental Wealth Expo. Oh, one last thing, Bonita Washington, my good friend, another person I've now met from Clubhouse. She's a moderator, a leader in my mental wealth and wellness space in Clubhouse. And we met in person. She flew up to the event and we got a chance to meet in person. So now I've met two people from my space in person. Uh, and Dr. Jackson, you know who you are. You have to be next. You're coming up next. But uh, I'm I'm full. I'm really full from that and uh, so excited for what's to come. I want to talk real quick about friendship. Nine friendship flags. You know, people throw friendship, that word friend, along like so loosely. I've said before in this pod, I don't really know how many friends y'all have. I don't have that many. And that's not a bad thing. Some of y'all are acquaintances, associates, got love for you. But to call someone a friend, that puts like, that's commitment, right? There is, <laughs> if I call you a friend, like it's it's a two-way street, right? It takes work to build and maintain a friendship. So after I read these, these flags to you, and this is from We the Urban, I hope that you really take a second to think about to yourself, who really are your friends? Who really are are the people in your corner that you can count on? Nine friendship red flags. Pay attention to how people react when you share good news. Pay attention to who you are around when you feel like your most authentic self. Keep them close. Pay attention to the ones who only talk about themselves and never ask about you. Pay attention to how your nervous system reacts around certain people. The energy will always tell you what you need to know. Pay attention to the conditional friends that disappear when they're in relationships, only to come back when it's over, seeking your emotional labor. Mm. When they constantly use you as the butt of the joke for the entertainment of others. Pay attention to the people who only seem to reach out when they need something. Don't get too comfortable existing in spaces where you know you deserve better. And finally, believe people when they show you who they are the first time. Nine friendship flags. So rewind that, play that again, write it down, and ask yourself, the people that you think are your friends, are they your friends? Let's get you out of here with some affirmations, man. Again, this has been great to get back here uh, on the pod, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Here's a few things, again, from We The Herb. I just love their page. Hopefully, you guys are following them. We The Urban on IG. Nine things you need to hear today. Healing, growing, glowing, discovering, accepting, learning, unlearning, relearning, evolving, improving, all at once. Don't ever abandon yourself again, especially not in the name of trying to be seen holding on to a temporary connection or trying to please someone else. Make peace with what didn't happen. Say it with me. I am enough. I am doing enough. I am doing a good enough job. Stop rewarding inconsistency with loyalty. Peace and growth are on the other side of that hard conversation you're avoiding. Get it off your chest so you can breathe. Gentle reminder, you don't have to feel ashamed for having a mental illness. Your symptoms are not personal flaws. You are not crazy for having difficulties others don't. Having a mental illness is not your fault. 
and was not a choice. Let this shame lie with those who stigmatize it. Be proud of what you've overcome and continue doing the things you found helpful to yourself. Take it day by day. You've got this. Sometimes it's not what you're asking for, it's who you're asking. And finally, stop settling for mediocre when you are capable and deserving of greatness. Final affirmation. Again, thank you guys so much. Episode number 56 in the books. Tap in with us on social media. Follow us here. Subscribe. Leave a review. Leave a review, please. Apple, leave us a review. That helps the algorithm. We're, we're going to build something super amazing with your reviews. Thank you so much. Here we go. I release all things that no longer align to make space for what is actually meant for me. I accept the things I have no power or control over. I find gratitude in knowing perfection is not my goal. Progress is. I'm committed to making the healthiest decisions for my mind and body every day in every way. I am continuing to grow toward a better me.